From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. On the show today, we continue our series of interviews with the gubernatorial candidates by listening back to a conversation with State Treasurer John Schroeder. The Republican candidate spoke to the Times-Picayune New Orleans Advocates editorial director and columnist Stephanie Grace about his background in law enforcement, climate policy, and what he hopes to accomplish if elected. But first... According to the Louisiana Public Service Commission and the New Orleans City Council, Entergy owes $550 million in refunds to customers, in addition to over $100 million that the company has already agreed to pay. These refunds stem from a long-running lawsuit that accuses Entergy of mismanaging the Grand Gulf nuclear plant in Mississippi. But so far, Entergy has not agreed to reimburse customers. Here to help break this down for us and give us some more insight on the state of energy management in Louisiana is Devante Lewis, Public Service Commissioner for Louisiana's 3rd District. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Devante, can you start by telling us about this lawsuit uh, in their filing? What did regulators allege that Energy's done in, in mismanaging the nuclear plant and, and why what, what they've done result in a refund for consumers? Absolutely. So part of what this lawsuit is about, and there are multiple phases of this lawsuit. Um, and so what we are, who are we are suing is what we call Siri. It's the System Energy Resources Incorporated. Um, so this is kind of a collective uh, process of Intergy's corporation. So that includes Intergy New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, and Arkansas. Uh, the Arkansas uh, commission has already settled um, with Siri and Intergy. So this lawsuit pending is just the remaining four who have not settled, which would be um, the city of New Orleans, the Louisiana Public Service Commission, along with the Arkansas uh, Public Service Commission. And, and what uh, we sued about and the federal uh, government and FERC ordered is that uh, they had violated some tax-related tariffs on um, this process. And so they were basically overcharging customers uh, taxes that they weren't paying themselves that should have been uh, brought back. And so uh, this portion that we are fighting over right now um, is uh, very interesting to say the least because it's their order is very clear. So I'm kind of confused uh, by Intergy's constant press releases and comments that they own nothing. I mean, yeah. when you read the order, and I'm going to be direct, it says, they found that Siri must refund amounts resulting from the improper exclusion of ADIT liabilities from uh, their rate base. So what is Energy's defense? What are they saying to defend not uh, handing out the reimbursements? Well, Energy is claiming that FERC is not actually mandating refunds. And there is a portion um, of the FERC ruling that says uh, that they would allow the interest that has been paid to be deducted from what that settlement would be. Um, and so there is this belief, um, uh, I, I think, that they can wind down the clock with constant legal battles um, and then force the commission to do like Mississippi did and settle at a lower rate than what is, um, than I think what our people deserve. And I, I think this is a legal strategy. Uh, I want to remind everyone why I'm so uh, upset about this is all those gold parachute lawyers uh, that Intergy has to constantly fight this issue and constantly say they don't understand the order. All of their law fees are being paid by our utility bills. Mm. Uh, this is rate based. And we have asked the uh, FERC 
uh, to disallow uh, lawyer fees from being part of rates, uh, but they have not done so at this moment. So I think this is just part of a game and a strategy uh, to wear us down, to say that, hey, look, you care about your consumers. You're spending all their money on all this litigation, settle at a lower cost than what we uh, should pay. Um, and then Intergy walks away happy. So I think this is the typical uh, type of David and Goliath legal strategy, just trying to wear down the opposition. Trying to wait it out. W- what are you and the city council doing to, to make sure that these refunds do happen? What are plans to hold Intergy accountable? Well, I think we've seen we have not settled. Um, we are willing and we think we need to put, bring this issue to rest. I don't think there's anyone um, from the New Orleans City Council or at the Louisiana Public Service Commission who does not want to take uh, this litigation off the table. But what we really need Intergy Louisiana to do is to offer a fair deal, to pay our customers back what is due to them, um, and then to do what is right and not just what's right for their shareholders. And so um, I think the ball's really in their court. Um, and I think we're going to protest the ruling um, that has happened. And so we're going to um, hope that FERC give Siri more time to comply um, with the order and that we and then that we actually pursue it and that they take action to coerce better behavior um, from Intergy and Siri. And so uh, mm-hmm. I don't see us slowing down until we get a real commitment right. um, from Intergy that they're going to do what they need to do, which is pay our people. So no slow down, no back down. And we all know Intergy has had a lot of power outages this summer. Bills have been pretty much staying the same, even higher for some Louisianans. I saw you recently tweeted that Michigan regulators are seeking penalties for repeat utility outages. Is that something you hope to employ here in Louisiana? Absolutely. Right now we have um, an open proceeding on grid maintenance um, that we are looking at. And we're looking at everything from how responsive you are to your grid. Um, I think it's important that when we talk about these lawsuits, we talk about the the rate cases that they filed and asking for rate increases, uh, that reliability be a key factor in that decision making. And that we have to hold their feet to the fire about how they are ensuring that power does not go off. Uh, We are seeing unprecedented uh, heat. We're talking about 105, 110 days. Um, And we are seeing people lose power, uh, not because of weather, not because of a freak accident, like a car hitting the feeder, but we are seeing random power outages because of the lack of maintenance uh, that we've seen utility companies perform on their systems. Uh, We look up at Shreveport after uh, that uh, storm that passed through earlier this year uh, and and how often people were out. And so I think it's imperative before we start talking about the needed investments in resiliency, uh, that we first improve our own reliability and ensure that companies are investing the necessary dollars on an annual basis to ensure uh, that power is reliable, especially as we know our summers are getting hotter and our winters are getting cooler. We're speaking with Louisiana District 3 Public Service Commissioner Devante Lewis. We're discussing Intergy's recent refusal to reimburse customers and what he and the New Orleans City Council are doing, trying to do about it. Devante, one of the platforms that you ran on was the need to open up the market to competition so that Intergy can't just jack up prices, no other options for consumers. How's that going? Any any progress on that front? Yes. So the the Public Service Commission has an open proceeding um, in our customer-centered options docket where we are looking at retail choice. Um, Retail competition would open up the door for other um, utility jurisdictions to play within the state of Louisiana or within a certain territory. 
Um, we are investigating this and we are collecting research and allowing it. And I would say, I believe if we stay according to our procedural schedule, um, we would vote on this um, towards the end of 2024. I, I will say that I'm being very cautious about this and looking at the best option. Um, while competition in some instances is great, there have been some challenges. I mean, we can look at our friends in Maryland where we saw when we allowed uh, retail choice that wasn't fully regulated, we saw um, the peripheration of junk companies targeting black and brown communities, seniors and veterans, um, and putting them in junk plans um, that did not produce or provide reliable power. We have seen um, that when there is choice, uh, your bills are technically sometimes higher we can look at Texas and we saw how uh, some people were selling plans that made you play the market value price, which meant when the winter storm URI uh, happened and, and there was a, uh, a resource adequacy problem, your bill was $6,000. Uh, but that's not to say that we shouldn't have this conversation. And there are multiple ways to do it. And so um, I am looking at what is the best option to protect the people of my district and the people of Louisiana, um, but then also provides them reliable, sustainable, and affordable power. All right. Well, I know Intergy, Intergy did file a new regulatory blueprint to improve the electric grid in the state. What do we know about that plan? And also, how can we fund and support improvements for Intergy while also supporting competitors? Well, yes. First, let's, let's, let's uh, call out Intergy's uh, very much cute press release on that title. Uh, that blueprint is nothing other than a, a request to increase rates. Um, they are, I'm a little upset with the way they are trying to present this as this is some type of maintenance plan when this is a typical process that is conducted annually where you ask whether or not you should make more money. And that's what Intergy is doing in this request. However, um, they have put in some uh, ideas of justifying why they should have a, a rate increase. And, and um, I'm looking at a stack of over 971 pages that they have filed that I am actively going through uh, with my red pen and my highlighter. Um, but I think we have uh, two options. We do know uh, that we have to build a more res resilient system, um, that as we have watched climate change affect our state, that we have to make some prudent and necessary investments. I think the million dollar question that I am wrestling with as a regulator is are these investments actually investments to improve our system? Are these investments to increase profit margins and, and, and help all of the rich people in New York who invest in companies like Intergy? Um, and so it's going to take some prudent review. So we're going to be very engaged. I would tell people, pay attention to my office. We're going to be pushing out the information that we find in the review of Intergy's um, $450 million rate increase proposal under their regulatory blueprint, their $5 billion proposal under their resiliency filing, um, and their 3,000 megawatt filing to create solar. Um, these are all going to cost the ratepayer a significant amount of money, and we need to ensure that it's the best investment for Louisiana and not the best investment for the rich Wall Street brokers in New York. Well, finally, I'm, I'm going to throw you something out of left field here. You were recently featured in an article from The Nation called The Queer Progressives Helping to Pull Louisiana to the Left. Can you tell us why you think it's important to discuss your identity and the identities of other queer Louisianans when it comes to talking politics in Louisiana? Well, I think it's about representation. We all are a part of the state. And I tell everybody when we all move up Together, everyone prospers. Equity benefits us all. 
uh, while racism, sexism, uh, homophobia harms us all. And so part of it is to showcase that you can do it, that we are all a community and that your identity does not dictate whether or not you can perform your job well. Um, I have heard from countless of Republicans uh, who, who, who thank me for the work that I am doing. I may not be their ideal choice if they got to make me in a petri dish, but because I'm doing the work, it showcases how we can bridge divides and how we can just uh, be ourselves. And that is what I uh, like to talk about is how we know our differences make us stronger. Um, and so embracing those and showcasing that we can um, all work together is, is, is something that I think is extremely important to me, but it also is to show that identity doesn't dictate. Um, that uh, identity is a part of me, but it is not everything of me, and that we still have uh, work to do, and that's what we're going to get done. Devante Lewis, Public Service Commissioner for Louisiana's 3rd District. Devante, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. The Louisiana governor's race is heating up, and with primary elections just weeks away, this week on Louisiana Considered, we're encoring our interviews with the candidates. Today, we listen back to a conversation with State Treasurer John Schroeder. In June, the Republican candidate spoke to the Times-Picayune, New Orleans Advocates, editorial director and columnist Stephanie Grace about his policies regarding crime and climate and what he hopes to accomplish if elected. So it's still pretty early in the governor race, and voters are really just starting to get to know the candidates. Uh, You were a state representative from St. Tammany Parish for nearly 10 years, and you've been state treasurer for the last six. So I'm wondering, what is one thing you accomplished so far in your political career that you'd really like voters to know about? Uh, I think listening to people, you know, I've really enjoyed the process of helping people. And you know, even as treasurer, many of the things that I do uh, don't necessarily have much to do with treasury itself. It's it's really about being in a place where you can help people who seek you help to have a problem with this part of government, that part of government. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I have now spent, as you said, 10 years in the House. I've been I'm on my sixth year as state treasurer. I actually represented uh, St. Tammany and Tangeville Parish in my first term as a legislator. But um, I think helping people and then bringing a lot of attention to the whole budget process, the money mm-hmm. side, that's it's a complicated subject. Therefore, most people just shy away from it. But as you would know, um, you know the whole building revolves around money. And um, right. I've sort of studied my way and worked my way uh, into a position where I understand the process um, better than most and can explain it to most. And uh, I enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. And of course, the governor submits the budget every year and goes and fights with the legislature about it. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fight. I mean, it it, it sort of sort of turns out that way sometimes, but, you know, it's a healthy process at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. And that that is the process that we live in, right? It's a give and take. And at the end of the day, um, we always finish with a budget. So things must work out eventually. Uh So part of your job as treasurer is to head the state bond commission. 
And from that permission, from that position, you've you've argued that state money shouldn't be invested with financial firms that have ESG policies. That's short for environmental, social, and governance. It's a mouthful. Um, when they have policies against investing in fossil fuels such as oil and gas, uh, why do you think that's important? And and you know, should is that something that should be taken into consideration, even if it might mean the state doesn't get the best deal? Well, look, it's not exactly like that. I mean, at the end okay. of the day, I think my position as state treasurer is to do business with banks that have uh, Louisiana's interest at heart. Um, and then when that can't happen, uh, then we do what we got to do. But I've never I've never taken a position that I'm not going to do business with a bank at the detriment of the taxpayer. Mm -hmm. I always tried to sort of have our cake and eat it, too. And if all things are equal, I want to do business with banks that have that are in line with the principles, the businesses and the and the common person here in Louisiana. And for the most part, we've been able to do that. Um, this is a policy that on behalf of the citizens of Louisiana that I think is important to the state that banks, big banks, these aren't necessarily community banks. These are big corporate world right. banks who have taken a position that the fossil fuel industry is not something that they want to invest in. Well, that's where we have many, many jobs. Many, many people will feed their families tonight for supper uh, based on the fossil fuel industry. So um, I pay a lot of attention to that. But at the end of the day, my job is to get the best deal that I can um, for the citizens and the taxpayers of state of Louisiana. Um, and so this leads me to a, a somewhat related question about the environment. Um Governor John Bell Edwards is the only Southern governor with a climate plan to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And he's argued that companies that have their own climate goals actually prefer to do business in states that support those goals. Um, is, is his plan, do you agree with that? And is his plan something you think you'd continue or reverse? Look, I'm, I'm gonna, obviously would take a look at it. I'm, I'm more inclined as an entrepreneur to look towards industry to see what their ideas and thoughts are for the economy of this state. Uh, to commit to saying I'm going to do A, B, or C would be really, really premature at this stage. Um, when you look at what goes on in the world, in the world market, um, there's still a lot of people who have no electricity. So I don't believe... I don't believe that this is going to happen as quick as what everybody or some mm -hmm. people want to make us believe because the world has a huge, unbelievable demand. You know, mm -hmm. you get back to the ESG, part of the whole ESG fight has been about, you know, we, we, with as companies that want to punish Louisiana, but they'll willingly invest money into the same industry in the China and Venezuela and other countries that are what I consider to be enemies of the state um, uh, or this country. Um, so, look, I, I take I take it all with a grain of salt. I listen, um, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I think demand will drive where where we go with the fossil fuel industry, and mm -hmm. we'll have to see what that is. I want to switch to a different issue here. You talk quite a bit in your ads and on the campaign trail about crime and your background specifically in law enforcement, which you can tell people a little bit about. Um, 
there was a new Manship survey that came out last week that named crime as the top voter concern. I mean, it's something a lot of people are talking about in the governor race. So my question to you is, what can a governor do about crime? Are you proposing some specific policy changes or changes at the state police or something else? Well, I think I think whatever we can. Uh, look, my, my mm-hmm. first professional career was in law enforcement. I have a degree in criminal justice from Southeastern. Um, mm-hmm. My first and you're in drug career, enforcement is that right? Is... I, I was. I, I was a. Uh, I went to Army. I was an infantry, military intelligence, and CID agent. In that organization, mm-hmm. I was a, a, a narcotics agent. Uh, I had a pretty serious serious eye injury. Came back to Louisiana, and for a short while, I took a job in Ascension Parish as an undercover narcotics detective in Ascension Parish. Mm-hmm. So. I fought crime at a high level, um, but uh, as I tell people, God had a little different path for me. Um, I, I basically retired from that career when I was around 30 after, uh, like I said, my retina hemorrhage, and I've been in business for myself since. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, um, the, the the surveys I think are accurate in that I don't care where you go. I don't care what part of the state you go to, to people are talking about crime. Right. Uh, because so what, all of our news media outlets uh, are coming out of our major metro areas where mm-hmm. crime is 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 bad. I mean, that's a, I don't know how else to say it. So mm-hmm. I think there are some things that have to happen in law enforcement. I think the governor needs to 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 lead uh, that fight and and help coordinate and bring whatever resources they can, be it the state police, uh, work with the sheriffs, work with the chiefs. I, I support supplemental pay. I support uh, raising the supplemental pay. Um, I support uh, redoing a state police pay pay, pay plan. Mm-hmm. I think they need to be educated, and I think we, they, they need to be better pro, uh, paid. Do you um, think the state has kind of gone too far down the road of, of quote, criminal justice reform, incarcerate, you know, kind of trying to lower the rate of incarceration? Well, I will say, that, uh, let me put it to you. A different way. Um, I believe violent criminals belong in jail, and I'm not. I'm not. I don't support letting criminals out of jail just because you have too many criminals in jail. I think we need to look at mm-hmm. why they're going to jail. Um, we have a lot of drug users in in jail. A lot of mental health uh, people in jails. Um, so I mean, I I would take the position we need to spend mo- more money on prevention. We need to mm-hmm. spend more money on mental health to prevent, um, you know, our jails being filled with people that are mentally ill. You know, yeah. I don't I don't problem. believe I don't believe. And look, I, I did this for a profession, you know, and I tell people this all the time. Fighting crime isn't necessarily about putting people in jail. It's easier to fight crime by deterring that crime than paying for the result of that crime. I think we probably a, a good place to start would be for every dollar we spend on incarceration, we ought to uh, spend a dollar on prevention. John Schroeder, Louisiana State Treasurer and Republican candidate for governor in 2023. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, this has been Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. 
Thanks to our guests, Public Service Commissioner of Louisiana's 3rd District, Devante Lewis, Times Picayune, New Orleans Advocate, Editorial Director, and Columnist, Stephanie Grace, and Republican State Treasurer running for Governor, John Schroeder. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our assistant producer is Aubrey Procell. Our engineer is Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Historic New Orleans Collection, 